Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, open them to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3 this evening. Tonight we come to the grand conclusion of the third chapter of John. And as you might imagine, if you're going to make a grand conclusion, then the, the focus, the central part must be Jesus. Well, that's exactly what we have tonight. That's exactly what we're going to find tonight is another dissertation on Jesus. Now, let me start off this evening. Let me remind us tonight why that is a big deal. It seems that John keeps talking about Jesus, that he keeps focusing on Jesus, that everything he's teaching us is about Jesus. Well, let me remind us tonight why John has this extreme focus on Jesus. It is because our creator is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. Our answer today in a world looking for answers is Jesus. The truth in a world that's full of lies is Jesus. Our comfort, Jesus. Our protector, Jesus. Our savior for sin, none other than Jesus. Our deliverer, Jesus. Our king is Jesus. Our Lord, the ruler of all things, is Jesus. The giver of life is Jesus. The giver of new life, praise the Lord, is Jesus. The righteous judge is Jesus. The Lamb of God is Jesus. The anointed promise of God, the Christ, the Messiah, is Jesus. The subject of Scripture is Jesus. The fulfillment of Scripture is Jesus. The revelation of God, if you want to know what God looks like, it is Jesus. The Word of God is Jesus. Our friend, Jesus. The Son of Man, Jesus. The Son of God, Jesus. Our kind kinsman redeemer is Jesus. The water that springs up to eternal life is Jesus. The shepherd that loves his sheep and would give his own life for those sheep is Jesus. The Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of life, the Lord of lords, you guessed it, is Jesus. And listen to me tonight, the one that will come again with the blast of a trumpet and the shout of an archangel come to get his people, our coming king is Jesus. So it all hinges on Jesus. It all goes back to Jesus. And so tonight, if we're going to have a grand conclusion to the third chapter, of course, undoubtedly, it will focus on Jesus. Tonight, our sermon, our message is entitled, It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Tonight, we're in John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36, the end of the chapter. John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. It's Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 31, says this. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. 
for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Great Father, we come, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for a day in the middle of the week that we can come and sing your praises and lift up the name of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that you would be glorified as we hear your word and our hearts respond. Lord, I pray as this message goes out, as it goes to places we may never see, we may never know, I pray that the truth goes out and that the truth is received and the hearing of the truth of Jesus, that folks are saved tonight. Lord, I pray for those in this room that we would be encouraged. Again, I pray if there's one in this room that doesn't know you, that tonight, this very night, the 18th night, would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we pray trusting this to you, giving this to you, telling you, you are our Lord, our hope, our King, and it's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we wrap up the third chapter tonight, remember once again why John is writing his gospel. And I think as we pass through this gospel, we need to keep bringing that back to our, our mind, uh, back to our eyesight. He is writing the gospel, this gospel to clearly define the good news and the Savior of that good news, Jesus. And that's why he's writing. He is writing that we would know the good news that we wouldn't have to be hesitant in the good news, that we could have confidence in the good news, and that we would know with certainty the Savior of that good news, Jesus. Listen to me tonight. There can be no error when it comes to Jesus. There can be no mistake when it comes to the gospel. Everything, in fact, all of eternity hangs on it. And so he is making sure that we can say, this is Jesus, and he's making sure that we can say this is his gospel. Well, our verses tonight follow that focus. Tonight, these last six verses in the third chapter, scholars debate who is speaking here. And they go back and forth, and there's a whole bunch of folks saying different things, but some of them say it could be John the Baptist continuing on. He is speaking in the preceding verses, and they would say these verses are a continuation of what John the Baptist is saying. Now, others say that it is John the Apostle, that uh, with that last verse we looked at yesterday, that, that John the Baptist has ceased stopping, and now John the Apostle is concluding the chapter. He is summarizing the, the talk with Nicodemus and this passage from John the Baptist. Now, I personally believe it is John the Apostle that is now talking to us in these verses. But I want to make clear tonight, it really doesn't change anything whoever is speaking. If you think it's John the Baptist that's still speaking, that's fine. And if it's John the Apostle that's speaking, that's fine. It really doesn't change anything because the sure truth is this, whoever it is, it is God who is speaking through whoever, whichever John this is. Now, again, I believe it is John the apostle that is bringing these two discussions to a head here at the conclusion of the third chapter. Now let's look at the verses tonight. Starting in verse 31, it says this. 
He who comes from above is above all. Listen to each of these words. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Now, verse 31, John says, one of the Johns, John says, he who comes from above, he who comes from heaven. Now, understand, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Christ incarnate. He's talking about the word that has become flesh, who has become flesh, and he's speaking of Jesus. He says here, the one from the earth is of the earth. And so if they are speaking, being of the earth, they are speaking earthly wisdom. But the one that comes from heaven, Jesus, here's what he says, is above all. The one that comes from heaven, Jesus, Christ incarnate, he is above all. It says it two times in that verse. He is above all. Now see this this evening. John is talking to us about, he is telling us of the first placeness of Jesus. Now, I don't even know if that's a word, but it makes sense to me. He's talking about the first placeness of Jesus. John is telling us Jesus is preeminent. Now, what that means is he surpasses all others. He is preeminent. He is highest in rank. He is highest in honor. He is highest in position. He is therefore highest in priority, and he is highest in importance. Jesus, in all things, surpasses all others. That is what the verse is saying. Jesus is preeminent. Now listen, I'll, I'll turn over there. You can listen as I read it. Here's what Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 says. He, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, talking about position of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his Christ, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Listen, here's what the verse is saying. Jesus surpasses all others. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is first. Now, I want you to think about that. Why does John have to tell us that? Why does John have to remind us of that? Well, I want you to think of the scene that this takes place in. Here is Jesus, and he, is, he has gone south of Jerusalem, and he is preaching repentance. Here is this man from Galilee here is Jesus walking around proclaiming that he is the Messiah. And, and as he does these things, the question is, well, who is he? What, what, what is he? Who is this that is, is speaking to us? And so John says right here, concluding this chapter, 
He is first. He is preeminent. He surpasses all others. Now, the point of that is this. As they are asking the question, why would we trust him? Why would we place our faith in him? Should we trust him? The answer is yes, he is preeminent. He is surpassing all others. In fact, it would be crazy not to trust the one that is above all others. And so John says here in verse 31, he is first. You want to know who Jesus is? He is preeminent. If you want to know who you should trust, you should trust the preeminent one. All right, moving to verse 32. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. John says the truth from heaven, Jesus, what he has seen and heard in the heavenly places, of that he testifies, of that he declares. Now, remember in verse 11 in chapter 3, he tells Nicodemus, we speak of what we know. We're not just talking nonsense. We're not just making stuff up. We speak of what we have seen and heard. Well, here we see once again, Jesus testifies to the truth. He is speaking. He is testifying to the truth. And the verse says this, and no one receives his testimony. Now, we saw yesterday his crowds are big. We saw yesterday his crowds are growing. But the truth is, it was just a curiosity. Here's this other preacher, and he's down there causing quite a stir. The, the truth was it, was, a, it was a superficial belief. Remember John said in chapter 1, he came into his own, and his own did not receive him. Get this tonight. Sometimes I wonder, now I can hear it, but sometimes I wonder what would it take for folks to follow Jesus Christ? And I wonder what would it, what would it take? What, what would it be the thing that folks would say, well, I trust Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him as my Lord and Savior. And I, and I wonder that. What would it take? Well, get this. Even God himself bringing the message, Jesus Christ Incarnate, even God Himself bringing the message did not guarantee people would believe it. And that's what that verse says. Here He came and He testified to the truth, but even God Himself bringing the message did not guarantee that people would believe it. He came into His own and they did not receive Him. All right, moving on to verse 33. He who has received His testimony has set His seal to this that God is true. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. Now, the verse above it said, most did not believe. However, we do know that some did believe. And that's what verse 33 is saying. There, there are some that did believe. And the ones that believed, he who has received the testimony, it says, he has set his seal to this. Now let me explain that. What that means is the, the one that believed, the one that heard the good news and believed, they have set their seal, they have given their testimony that this is the truth. Now what it really means is I am vouching 
that this is the truth. And so the one that believes says, I will give you my name. I will give you the testimony that this is the truth. I will give you my seal. They will vouch for him. It says the one who believes says, I am vouching that God is true. Now what verse 33 is reporting, it says the one that believes what Jesus says, what they do is they vouch that Jesus speaks the word of God. I've believed his testimony and I will put my name with it and I will vouch that he speaks the word of God. What God has said is true. That's what that verse means. Listen tonight, for us as followers of Christ, as we believe the good news of the gospel, we should attach our seal testifying this is the truth. This is the gospel. All right, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. For he whom God has sent is again talking about Christ, Jesus, Christ incarnate, God in the flesh, the one that is from above, the one that is from heaven. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Now, we, we hear that and we say, well, that makes a lot of sense. We understand that. He speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Now, what that means is Jesus possesses the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, that did not happen, but now it has happened in Jesus. And so I want you to see this. Why does this verse say this? They are asking the question of this Jesus Who are you? Why should we trust you? Why should we put our faith in you? This man from Nazareth, why would we give any count to what he says? Why would we believe what he claims? And the answer is, it is because he is divine. The one that is from the earth speaks earthly wisdom, but the one that is from above speaks divine truth. And his word is the word of God. Verse 34, if you would believe God in the same way, you should believe Jesus. That's what it means. If you believe God and these Jewish folks, yes, I believe God. Yes, I believe the Old Testament word of God. Well, if you believe God, John is saying, well, then you ought to believe Jesus. His word, it's the word of God. Jesus is God, so he speaks the word of God. Do you trust God? John's going to say a little bit later, well, then trust Jesus. Do you believe in God? Well, then you ought to believe in Jesus. Jesus is God, and so he speaks the word of God. All right, moving to verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. A very important verse. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. And God the Father has given all things into his hand. Now, I want you to see what that means. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. And God the Father has given all things into his hand. Now, let, me, let me tell you what I think when I read this. When I read this, I think about a person at a store. And you may have seen this, it may be you, but they're upset. You ever see somebody at Walmart and they're upset? 
and they're not satisfied and they're upset and I thought I was getting this and there's some issue and they, they're all upset and they're, they're not satisfied. And you ever watch them, they say, may I see your manager? May I, I, I've had enough of you, I've talked to you, may I see your manager? I think they call that person a Karen today. Uh, I'm sorry if your name is Karen. Um, may I see your manager? Then you ever see this happen? And they say, well, I am the manager. Well, may I see your supervisor? Somebody's got to be over you. May I see your, your supervisor? May I see your boss? And they say, I am the boss. I am the supervisor. Well, can you get the owner on the phone? Find out who owns this joint. I want to talk to the owner on the phone. And listen, they're upset and they want to go all the way to the top. They want to go all the way to the top. Well, verse 35, what it means is if you're going to the top, then you're going to Jesus. There is none higher than Jesus. There's no one to seek out other than Jesus. And there's no greater person to appeal to than the person of Jesus. If you're going to go to the top, you're going to Jesus. The Father has given all things to the Son. Some Jewish person might say, well, I'm going to go to the Father. Well, I'm going to go to what I know of God. I'm going to go to Him. Listen, all things have been given to Jesus. He is the ruler. He is the king. He is the judge. He is overall, and He is preeminent. So if you're going to the top, you're going to Jesus. If you're appealing to the top, you're going to Jesus. Now, all of that, all of that, he surpasses all. He's above all. He's the top. He is God. He is divine. He speaks the word of God. All of that to get us to this last verse. Here it is, the summary verse of chapter 3. Who is Jesus? Why does it matter? What of Jesus Verse 36, here we go. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. You see why it's important? He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's, a, it's very similar to verse 16 that we love, but maybe there's a little bit different at the end of it that we don't love. So maybe this is not why we memorize this verse. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, for the wrath of God abides on him. In verse 36, we see the reason for this chapter, the reason for this gospel, the reason for this discourse is Jesus. Jesus is the issue. Jesus, in this verse 36, is the dividing line. Listen to me tonight. It's not how you lived. It's what you did with Jesus. It's not who you impressed in life. It's what you did with Jesus. It's not the religious system that you worked your way through. It is what you did with Jesus. It all comes to the person of Jesus. And the Bible says, and he who believes receives in faith. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, last night and the, I think the night before that, we saw eternal life is talking about quantity, it's life that does not have an end. And so, yes, it's talking about quantity. Eternal life does not have an end, but it's more than that. It's also talking about quality. 
So not just quantity, also quality. It actually translates in the original language, life filled with life, abundant life, life that is filled with life. And so he who believes in the Son has the quantity that doesn't run out and has the quality that is life filled with life. Let me tell you the point of verse 36. If you will see your sin, and that was the message of John the Baptist, that's the message of Jesus. If you will see your sin, and if you will see Jesus as the remedy for your sin, and if you will trust him as the Savior for sin, and turn to him, trusting him for your salvation in faith, here's what the verse is saying. You have eternal life. What if I didn't do it at an early enough age? What if I didn't impress the right people? What if I didn't attend church long enough? What if I didn't get to memorize all the verses? If you see Jesus as the Savior for sin and you turn to him and you trust him as the salvation, the means of salvation for that sin, you have eternal life. Here's what the last verse of the third chapter says. Friends, it is settled in Jesus. It is finished in Jesus. It's not up for debate. It's not still hanging in the balance. It is finished in Jesus. The verse goes on and says, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life. Now obey is to move forward in trust. It's an act of faith. It's to have faith. Trust and obey. Obey is the sign that you're walking in faith, that you're walking in trust. And so it says those that do not have faith in Jesus, two things are true of that person. First is this. You will not see life. What if they pray for you after you die? Won't see life. What if you do a bunch of good things trying to smooth it out? Those who have not trusted Jesus, the testimony of God's word is they will not see life. I want to tell you outside of Jesus, you're literally a dead man walking. You are dead in your sins. You're guilty in your sins. You're condemned in your sins. And you're walking towards an eternal death. You have no hope outside of Jesus. You will not see life is the truth. And let me just tell you, as bad as that is, there's another thing. If you haven't trusted Jesus, the verse says, and the wrath of God abides on him. Let me explain this. Outside of Christ, the full anger of God towards sin rests on you. Now, we've lost that idea. We've lost that truth. I don't ever really hear anybody preach about that. But but here's the deal. Here's the truth. God hates sin. God hates sin. Sin is an affront against God. He abhors it. That's what he says. He has a boiling hatred. He abhors sin. And right now, he is withholding the full expression of his anger. He hates sin, but right now in the day we're living in, he is withholding the full expression of his anger. But I want to tell you, here's what the Bible says, but you are still living in 
his anger. You are still living under his anger and under his wrath. Some folks think, well, you know what? I'm getting by with this. God doesn't care about this. I seem to be able to do what I want to do. Listen, if you're not in Christ, you're living underneath the full fierce wrath of God and it rests on you. And let me tell you this. And one day it will be poured out on you. One day, the the righteous, holy anger of our God, a God that hates sin, the God that in his own grace provided a remedy for sin. Listen, he sees what's going to happen. He loves you. He provided a remedy for sin. One day, that righteous, holy God, if you do not turn to Jesus, he will pour his wrath fully out on you. Revelation chapter 19 Jesus will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God. We sing, he tramples out the vintage of the grapes where the grapes of wrath are stored. His anger will no longer be tempered in grace, and it will be poured out on you. Listen to me, the good news is still the good news. The good news is even better news in light of God's Pure, just judgment. And the good news is this. The answer is turn to Jesus. The answer is turn to Jesus. He has made a way. He will save you. He will save you. The answer is turn to Jesus. Listen, we close out this chapter. We head to the fourth chapter tomorrow night. Here's the the deal again. It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. God loves you. Send his only begotten son. If you'll believe in him, if you'll trust in him, if you'll turn to him, you will not perish. You will be saved. The good news is offered to you tonight. It all comes down to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful that you don't leave us to try to figure it out. Don't leave us to try to guess, but you tell us That sin is an affront against you. That sin has a consequence. That sin ends in death. But you also love us so much that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son. That he would make a way for us, that he would make a way for us to have peace with you. And it's not by any work that we can do, we can't do anything. It's not in being righteous. We have no righteousness. Not one of us is good, not one. But it's in the righteousness of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that tonight in the hearing of this good news, that maybe some in this room would turn to you. Maybe some listening somewhere that they would turn to you. They would understand, yes, the wrath of God is terrible. The grace of God is tremendous. And I I pray that there will be souls saved tonight as they turn and they trust you. Lord, stir in our hearts. Move in our midst for your glory. I pray for us that are are believers in this room, believers listening tonight. I pray that on this day, we would have a renewed sense of urgency. That not everybody's going to hear this sermon. Not everybody's going to turn to these verses. But that we have the good news. And I pray that we would take our mouth. We would tell a lost and dying world of a, a Savior, a remedy for sin. Lord, help us be urgent in that. And I pray every piece of it, every bit of it would bring glory to you your kingdom would grow, that you'd be known, that you'd be glorified. Lord, we come and we just trust all this to you, knowing that you're faithful, knowing that you're gracious. We trust it to you. 
And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, it truly is the most important time of our, of our time together tonight, and that is the time to respond to the truth of the gospel. Here's the deal. We're sinners. All of us, some of us have gotten good at acting like we're better than somebody else, but all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us in that sin have earned a punishment. The Bible says it is death. But God in his great grace and his love for us, while we were yet sinners, not after we got cleaned up, we can't. While we were yet sinners, he sends his only begotten son. He comes and he carries my sin and your sin and our shame to the cross of Calvary. And there he dies for it. There he pays for it. He's dead. The price is paid. They put him in a grave. Three days later on Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of the grave. He stands as the risen Savior, the hope of sinners. The Bible says if we will turn to him. Listen, tonight, if you will turn to him, he'll forgive you. He'll renew you. He'll restore you. He will save you. That's available to you in the grace of God tonight. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of commitment. If you're here, if God's spoken to you, you step out and you come on. If you need more information, you step out and you come on. So we stand and sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.